The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod. We are coming to you live from various places around, I guess, all around Southern California this morning. Uh, thrilled to be here with you on this Monday morning and to keep the conversation going. Um, we're, we're here for the next hour and we're going to be talking about autism from a 360 degree perspective. But I really want you to know that the show is meant to be interactive. Now, I know that everybody can't watch the show live because other things are going on in life and in the world and whatever, and that's okay. Um, there are lots of places to watch us live. There's lots of places to watch us recorded. And you can go back through time. If you, like me, are a little bit sick of the background of people's houses, uh, someday we'll have to do like a tour of my bookcase and then I'll move things around. Um, but if you're kind of sick of that and you want to go, you want to see something that's from the days when we weren't having to do this this way, let me just tell you that we've got nine years worth of stuff um, that is cached on our um, two different sites. Excuse me, you can go to YouTube and all of it's there, but it's also on our homepage, which is autism-live.com. So if you look at this chart here, autism-live.com is on the bottom and that's available to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There is a chat button so that you can be chatting with me live. Um, there's also toy guides there from last year and the years before to help you if you're looking for a toy for anyone uh, or a gift, um, you know, including for parents of individuals who are on the spectrum and adults who are on the autism spectrum. We're very proud of that. We're just now gearing up to start working on this year's toy guide. Um, but so lots of things to do and you can search by topic or guest or you know anything, you can put anything into the search feature on our homepage. But take a look on the, the first column here are all the places where we are live right now. We're live on Twitter, Facebook, Periscope, and YouTube. Then later on those, uh, you know, it'll be recorded and available on those sites, but then we add in the podcast sites, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Deezer, just to name a few places where, where we're available. But I want to point out that we're free on all of those places. And that's super important to me because when my son was diagnosed with autism and in those early days when I was up a tree, I was like, I don't know. And you know, you Google autism and um, man, it's a big, it's the wild west, right? And you're going to find a whole bunch of things and you just don't know which way is up. Um, I wanted to be able to find a place where I could learn things in depth, like a conference, but I couldn't go to an eight hour conference. Who's got that kind of time, especially when you're in the early days of autism. I mean, seriously. 
And, um, and I didn't want to have to go someplace else. And I didn't have any money. And even getting to the library to check out books was hard. Uh, you know, cause just like that meant putting my child in a car, going someplace and having to corral him while I looked for books. So I wanted there to be a place that you could find 24 hours a day, seven days a week that was free. Free to everybody, not just free in the, here in the United States. We have more and more people joining us from around the world. Oh my gosh, that just fills my heart with joy because there was a day when I was on my kitchen floor. You know, several this happened in several rooms, not just one. Uh, but I, I, I also know it happened in the bedroom too, that I was on the floor on my knees and praying and saying, please help me to help my child. Who, he was diagnosed at two and a half. And I was saying, please help me to help him. Don't let my story be that I'm the mom who couldn't figure it out. Please help me to know what to do, make it clear. Because the way I pray, I'm very frank with, uh, with my belief systems. And I'll say, please make it clear because you know how I am. Sometimes I miss stuff, right? And I promise that if you help me to know what to do for my kid, I promise I will do it. And I promise I will help others when my kid is doing better. And that's why I'm here. Let's be abundantly clear about that. That's why I'm here. That's why I care. That's why I try to do whatever I can for you. That's why I ask you to write in, put me to work, ask me a question. If I, if I don't, if I don't know, no, because let's be honest. And I like to say this at the beginning of the show, I'm not an expert in autism. Yes. I've been hosting shows about autism now for over a decade and I've interviewed a lot of people. I, I won't say that I've interviewed everyone because that would be ridiculous, right? But I've interviewed a lot of people, a lot of experts, and I've learned a, a thing or two. Yes, that's true. So I, I have a very vocal opinion. <laughs> I like to say that it's an informed opinion, but you know, that's relative too. Um, but I'm not an expert. Let's be abundantly clear, right? Um, but I, I really wanted to make sure that there was a place where somebody um, was giving you the opportunity to find your answers. And when I say your answers, I'm talking about that great, big, beautiful autism community. If you yourself are on the spectrum, for heaven's sake, it starts there, right? With those individuals, helping them to answer their questions and to give them a voice here on the show. And, uh, but then from there, I also welcome the, the larger autism community, which is everybody who cares about those individuals on the spectrum, right? Because we have a voice in this equation um, to be able to help those individuals to help fight for the support and the dignity and the education and the employment and the housing and all the things that the people we love on the spectrum so richly deserve. So that's what we're about here. Um, not about telling anyone who they need to be, how they need to be. I just want to be abundantly clear. Um, but when you have had the experience as I have had as a parent, where my son was face down in the hallway, the front hallway of somebody's house crying and saying, please, what do I have to do to get them to play with me? Um, you know, he just wanted to know, how do you get the other kids to listen and play with you? Um, and I, you know, as a parent, listened to that and, and was very clear that I wanted to help my child to do the things that he wanted to do. And it's not a one size fits all. I want you to be able to help yourself to do the things that you want to do, want to do, and to be able to help the, the loved one that you have on the spectrum to do the things that they want to do. Not one size fits all. So I hope you feel the love. Uh, that's what we're here for. We love it when you write in. It's my favorite thing. 
Uh, I will say that, you know, there's been a couple of things kicking everybody's keister for a while here. You know, we're all struggling with the varied um, things with COVID, either either you don't have enough work or you're working all the time. You know, like some people are in financial worry, some people are in health worry. You know, everybody, we're, you know, everybody's fond of saying we're all in this together, but everybody's boat is different in this COVID thing. So we keep talking about COVID from a perspective of the autism community and how do we, how can we keep progress happening during this uh, pandemic here in the United States and around the world, right? So we're talking about that. We cannot just say that we are not going to talk about the other things that are going on in the world, which is why we're very clear here at Autism Lives that we support Black Lives Matter and that we believe that um, there, we can do better and it's got to start with us and we're trying to do better. I want you to know that tomorrow on the show, we're welcoming back to the show Ifunanya Nwiki, who has been on our show many times before. She's the creator of Jazz Hands for Autism and we have so much to talk with her about, but she had posted something a week ago saying, okay, you know, this is a kind have, but who's ready to talk about the fact that um, there's a population of black young men who have uh, different degrees of neurotypical disorders and that they are also caught up in this interaction with the police where things aren't going well. And she said, who's ready to talk about that? And we have to be ready to talk about that here on Autism Live. So um, Ifunanya is going to be here tomorrow and we're going we're gonna to talk about it. And um, I, I need help. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I need help. I need to know what I can be doing um, because I want to be a part of things being better and I don't want to be a part of things staying the same. And I think that everything that we do uh, is either in support or not and I wanna be in support. I feel very um, motivated about that. And I, I hope that you guys are too. Um, okay, so, uh, and then the third thing that we are talking about here that has been kicking my keister for a while um, is the loss of our dearly beloved Joanne Lara. And I, I wanna announce here on the show that we are gonna be hosting a um, online um, Memorial for Joanne a week from Saturday on the 27th. And that's going to be at 1030 Pacific time because we need to accommodate time zones around the world. So that's the 27th. We're going to be talking a lot about that coming up to it um, and give everybody an opportunity. It's so difficult. I've watched so many people during this COVID pandemic lose a loved one. And grief is hard no matter what. But there are some very distinct things about this pandemic and grief and, and how, you know, I said to somebody, we're not getting to do the things that make you feel better. You know, the things that allow you to bring up the things and, and you know, to fall into your friend's arms and have a good sob over, you know, seeing a, a scarf or, you know, this weekend, Joanne was a big uh, fan of old movies and, you know, all I have to do is go by, you know, typical on a Sunday for us is to spend half the day on the phone while she's watching uh, an old movie and like telling me things about different scenes and, oh, this is, you know, and did you know this about it and whatever. And I happened to see what was on yesterday and just, you know, burst into tears. Um, so I think it's important that for everybody who knew her, 
um, to have an opportunity to gather together, even if virtually, I promised her that we would. And we'll do an actual in phase one later on, but I welcome anybody who's in grief that this is a safe space uh, to write about you know, what you're going through and to join us for Joanne's memorial, but to uh, this expression of a celebration of life, but a release of grief. So, um, okay. So somebody has already written in and said, disappointed by this video intro, I advise looking into long-term effects of ABA therapy on adults and spend time speaking to adults and children that are actually autistic. And I want you to know that we do. If you watch more than the intro, you'll see that we feature lots of individuals here uh, on the spectrum. Happy to have you here on the show too, if you wanna write in and pitch a, an idea for a segment. Um, I, and we talk a lot on this show about the fact that there are lots of individuals who are on the spectrum who are not fans of ABA. And I support you in your right to say whatever you wanna say. Um, you know, that's like the beginning and the end of the conversation. I will tell you that I have invited many adults on the autism spectrum to come and see modern ABA and to see the ABA that the Center for Autism and Related Disorders does because I had the opportunity for five years to watch uh, either in the room or on a baby monitor um, and watch what happened with my son and to see who he is now. And I cannot speak favorably for all ABA. And I cannot speak favorably for all ABA across the years because I understand some of the things that used to happen with some of the ABA providers. And I, I totally, totally agree with you that there are long lasting effects for individuals who did that. I just wanna to say to you that I'm a parent that would not allow that for my son. And there are a lot of parents that would not allow that. And there is a, a, a governing board now with certification for people that does not allow that. Um, you know, I, I, I would love to see Judge Rottenberg Center shut down, and I almost said a four-letter word. Um, I, I agree with you that there are a lot of bad things that are happening out there, and we urge parents here to be careful and to make sure that they're doing quality ABA, and if you are open to seeing what that looks like, and I know it could be traumatizing because of the things that you've been through or things that you've heard, um, but if you're open to it, I will absolutely make an arrangement for you to see what it is that we're talking about here, because um, what, what good quality ABA did for my son was amazing. And I believe me, I would not have stood for someone um, punishing him for who and how he is. Um, I just, or in any way. So um, I thank you for your opinion. I thank you for writing in. I think it's an important part of the conversation, which is why I'm not skimming over it. Um, but I, I, hope, I hope that we can help to heal and, and to move forward and continue to have progress for all individuals and, and give everybody their right and their ability to speak forward. I want to say hi to Faith. Faith, I'm so happy to see you. Uh, and I've been, I've been keeping up with you on Facebook and thrilled that you're here. Michelle, uh, thank you for being here. Christy, uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. And Nikki, good morning to you. All right, you guys, uh, it's time um, for us. It's, it's Monday, so it's time for us to journey to our jargon of the day. This is when we take on one word, one phrase, one acronym. We try to figure out what in the hey, nani, nani, are the experts talking about? 
Uh, why are they talking about it? Why does it matter? Why do we have to know? Can't we just stop? <laughs> Anybody ask me how I really feel about jargon. Um, but it is important that we start to learn things. Now, today's jargon term is one that a year ago, I don't think I'd even heard of. Somebody said it about a year ago on the show and I was like, I'm sorry, the what? Um, and, and I was like, what, what did you just say? Um, and, and I still, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't completely have my head wrapped around this. And you know how I know that is because somebody asked me to define it the other, define it the other day without slides. And I was like, oh, I wish I had an expert here. Um, but this is why we do the jargon again and again, because we're all learning together. So autoclitics, we've been talking about the verbal operants. And so this is... The, the mountain on the hill, the last of the verbal operants that we're going to talk about. Um, and not everybody does talk about this one. So why would we talk about it? Let's take a look and see what our actual definition is, see if we need waiters to wade through it, and then we'll move to the working uh, definition and see, see what we can figure out. Autoclitics, interesting, right? Uh, so autoclitics is a verb, verbal responses that modify the effect on the listener of the primary operants that comprise B.F. Skinner's classification of verbal behavior. Uh, auto, an autoclitic is a verbal behavior that modifies the functions of other verbal behaviors. Uh, okay, so uh, I let... I don't even, verbal responses that modify the effect on the listener of the primary operants that comprise B.F. Skinner's classification of verbal behavior. You know, it's like, I'm no closer. I can reread it and reread it and I'm like mush. It's just, it's just all mush, right? Uh, okay, so let's move on to the working definition here and see what in the hey nani nani are we talking about? Autoclitics are things that you add to verbal communication that change how the listener interprets what is said. So uh, here's my understanding of autoclitics is that it involves perspective taking. So if I say to you, I'm having a really good time. What I said was I'm having a really good time, but you took meaning from it and you might've thought, oh, I don't think she's having a really good time. So what was it that gave that away? What was it that you thought through and, and ciphered through and went, well, I think if she was really having a good time, she might've used a different tone, her face, her facial expressions might've looked different. So that's in the neighborhood of autoclitics. Um, so, but it's from the, it's, it's from the expressive side, right? But we, pretty much every one of the verbal operands, we wanna work on both expressively and receptively. So um, first of all, as an individual, I wanna be able to communicate as fully as I can. And being able to say to somebody, um, yeah, I think I can do that, right? Conveys a whole lot of meaning. <laughs> it's like, what, you know what it is? It's the thing that gets taken out when you text, right? If you had no emojis and you were just texting, you know how confusing it can be because you're like, well, did they mean that this way or did they mean that that way? It's hard to tell because I don't have the nuance. I didn't see the face. I didn't see how they said it, right? And we use emojis to kind of give clues to what is really happening. That's autoclitics. 
right? And, and we are meaning to convey information when we do that. So if you ask me to do something and I go, yeah, I think I can do that. I'm sending you a whole ton of information, right? But it's got to work both ways. I have to be someone who understands uh, facial expressions, tone, and, you know, all the different things, uh, prosody, all the different things that are in that intonation uh, to be able to take meaning so that, for instance, if someone says to a person who has a ASD diagnosis, yeah, I think I can do that, right? Um, that person needs to be able to realize that's not really a hard yes, right? And this is where confusion ensues, right? At just like when you text and you don't have emojis. So Autoclitics, really high level perspective taking communication that um, is, is tough to put your finger on, right? But think about being in a relationship with someone, friend or romantic, and all the different times that there's nuance because you know the person and because you're listening and you're tuned in. And if you weren't tuned in and didn't know autoclitics, there would be times, and listen, in every life, there are times when somebody misinterprets something. Um, and you have to then use a skill called repairing the conversation where you back it up and go, hey, I'm not sure, were you meaning that sarcastically? But in order to say that, in order to say, hey, I'm not sure, did you mean that sarcastically? Think about all the skills you have to have. You have to understand what sarcasm is, you have to have a certain level of perspective taking, right? And you have to have strong autoclitics, plus the ability to advocate for yourself and the willingness to put yourself out there to try to repair a conversation. So autoclitics, really high level, but I think worth working on. You know, for a lot of the adults that I talk to on the autism spectrum, they're, um, you know, the kinds of things that they say that they're unhappy with and struggling with are, are things that, um, well, I think about that movie, The Story of Luke, and there is a moment with Seth Green where he's at the water cooler with this young man, Luke, because Luke is just like, I don't get it. What's happening right now? And he calls him over the water cooler and they're standing there watching a girl and a guy talk. And he goes, okay, here's everything that's happening right now. And he explains it to Luke. And it's crazy because it's like all these things that like some things that I hadn't even thought about that are happening. And Luke's like, really, that's all happening right there. And Seth is like, yeah, that's like reality. That's what's going on. And I, and I hear a lot of adults on the autism spectrum saying, what is like, what is the magic code? Because I don't really care about all that, but I'd like to be able to date. And I really like this other person and I'd like to have it work out. And I don't know why it keeps not, just like, give me the code. I don't really care about all the other BS. Just give me the code so that I begin to understand. And you see autoclitics is part of that code. It's like the emojis of life to be able to read something going on and to use an emoji when you're talking so that the people around you understand what it is that you're saying so you can get your needs met. It's not about conforming, it's about getting your needs met. 
So um, anyway, that's autoclitics, a little convoluted. There we go. Moving on, we always have a question of the day. And our question today is, uh, how do you talk to yourself when you're stressed? I imagine that everybody's gone through a little bit of stress in the last couple of months. And, you know, there's always a conversation that we're having with ourselves, or at least there's always an opportunity to have an, uh, a conversation with ourselves. And a lot of times what we are thinking about and saying to ourselves is a large part of what our experience is. So what do you say to yourself when you're, when you're stressed? I, I waitressed many, many years ago and there was a waiter and his name was Robbie. And I love to watch what Robbie work because he would talk out loud to himself the entire time. So we'd be in the kitchen and, you know, you'd be slammed and there's just like no way that you're going to be able to help all the people and get all their food hot to them and keep them happy and not have them waiting because the host was an idiot and would always seat an entire section together, which is not how you do it, right? But I love to listen to Robbie because he would talk to himself and he would talk positive to himself. So he'd say, go, Robbie, go, go, go. You can do it, Robbie, go. And um, I loved that. And, and he was one of the best waiters because he was talking to himself in this positive way and urging himself on where, you know, there, like there was another girl who would just stand in the corner and cry. And we were always saying, you know, that's not helping anything. <laughs> like either, you know, find, you know, find some, do something, right? But standing in the corner crying, overwhelming, being overwhelmed is, is not ending the overwhelmed, right? Eventually the shift will end and you will get to go home and this will pass. Although I still have nightmares about working at that restaurant. Um, but whenever I'm stressed and need to get something done and need to keep moving, I find myself saying, go, Robbie, go, um, because it was he was so inspirational. So how do you talk to yourself when you're stressed? And there's many different types of stress, right? What is the conversation that you have in your head? Is it kind? Is it inspirational? Is it loving? Um, and something that somebody else taught me too, is that uh, sometimes it's hard to be kind and loving and gentle with ourselves. And uh, they said, you know, always put it through the litmus test of if you were talking to a child or a teenager, going through what you're going through, what would you say? And how would you say it? And how supportive would you be? And are you that supportive with yourself? For me, that's everything. Because when I think about, you know, if a 15 year old girl were going through something that I was having a hard time with, what would I say to her? And I know for sure I would not say to her, well, you brought this on yourself, right? I would never say that to a 15-year-old girl. Um, so I really shouldn't be saying it to myself. Um, so are you talking lovingly and gently and kindly with yourself about your stress? And can you, if you're not, can you pick something else and imagine that you're talking to, um, you know, a 12 or 13 or 15 year old kid and how would you say it to them? All right, moving on uh, to our topic of the week. And I think um, that this will dovetail nicely into everything that we talk about is what are you focused on? You know, as we've talked about all the different, uh, like obviously there's a lot to be stressed about right now, right? But we get to pick in the sea of things um, what we focus on. And there's a lot going on. You know, it's, it's like people are posting about the COVID and saying, well, 
you know, this is, none of us would have chosen this, but here are the 12 good things that have happened. I love John uh, Krakowski, is that his Krakowski, his uh, Some Good News? I love that he's decided to focus on, well, here are the positive things. Um, it doesn't wipe away the, the it, it's not negating the other things that are happening, but it's giving us that broader global view. Um, and even the things that are hard and challenging right now, um, what part of it do we want to focus on? For me, I want to focus on being a part of the solution, which means not being complicit in keeping it the way it is. That's what I'm trying to focus on right now. How am I complicit? How has my silence added up to the reality of what is and how can I change that? I don't know yet and I'm looking for help, but I know that when the student is ready, the teacher arrives. And I'm hoping that my teacher, uh, I'm, I'm listening. There's plenty of teachers that are out there and I'm hoping my teachers will help me to rise um, and, and, and that all of us will rise to something better. You know what I'm saying? But what are you focused on? I've had to do that about my friend dying and saying, what part of this do I wanna focus on? It's very hard. I want to um, focus and be despondent about the fact that the way that she went was during a time period in which um, it sucked. I'm just not gonna candy coat it, right? Like my brain wants to focus on that. And then I have to remind myself that's true, um, but it is what it is. And is there any part of it I can change? No. What do I have the capability to focus on right now that I could change? And I can help to have her legacy live on in her, through her work. I can do that. Um, and then, you know, my boat tilts a little bit better um, to the good, you know, and I go, okay, now I've got something to do. So my question to you today is what are you focused on? I am, I am focused on making the most of this time. I am focused on um, being there for my son, making sure that he gets the education that he so richly deserves, that he finishes. He's a senior now, folks. He's got to finish high school and we got to get him ready for college. And somehow we got to do that during COVID times, not what I planned, not what I planned. Um, but, you know, there are some things that can be focused on and worked on during this period of time that we have time for that maybe we wouldn't have before. Um, so those are the things that I'm trying to focus on. I'm also trying to focus on being healthy and drink more water. You're going to see me drink more water on the show because uh, I'm dehydrated and that's not a good way to be. So what are you focused on? Please write in and tell us. Again, I said this to you guys last week. I need you right now. I need for you to be writing in and talking with me because uh, it's tough. It's tough right now. It's really, really tough. So uh, write in, be with me, be here. Okay, we got a great show for you today. We are welcoming back to the show, of course, because Monday, our fabulous, fabulous uh, legal counsel <laughs> that helps us sort through uh, what's legal and, and what we should be doing. Bonnie Yates, special education attorney from the Tolner Law Offices, is joining us any second. And then we're also going to be looking to have some time to talk with you guys about things that you need to talk about. So uh, Traven, is Bonnie with us yet? See, I drank water. Um, I don't know if Bonnie's there. Ms. Bonnie. 
Uh, and while we're waiting to see if Bonnie is here, I want to ri- remind everybody that she is with Tolner Law Offices and it's just a little too close, right? It's like, you do not need to get that close to my face. Uh, uh, Bonnie is a special education attorney and what she does is answer questions for us uh, that you guys write in. And then she also gives us the 411 on things that are happening, especially during this COVID time about things that are happening in special education because your most of you, your child has an IEP or a 504 plan, and that is something that needs to be followed. And if you have an IEP, then you have services that you were supposed to be getting. And almost nobody that I can think of that I know got all of those services during the last 12 weeks. So what happens? Is it just like, sorry, we weren't able to give it to you? No. Um, what happens is we have a discussion about how to give you compensatory education during the summer, whether that's extended school year or, um, you know, she may not have the code, Traven. If you could just um, give her the code, that would be grandiose. I appreciate you. Um, but, um, you know, it's so important. We, we had somebody who wrote in last week who was kind of mad and said, you know, I thought I was being considerate. I thought, you know, I was cutting the school some slack. It didn't appear that they had anything together. I asked a couple of cursory questions and, you know, they didn't have much that they could offer my child. And they said that they were working it out. And then um, they found out the parent recently had conversations with other parents and found out that other kids were getting private tutoring and they were getting all of these different things. And her child was not. And, you know, what to do now once you find something like that out. And I got to say that uh, having not during COVID, but having been there and done that, when you find out that you didn't know to ask for a specific thing, but other people did. And so they gave it to their kids and they just mm, didn't bother to tell you. That's when everything starts to tilt and you, um, you know, you, you find yourself in a difficult place. I wanna say that Bonnie is not here and we're figuring that out, but another person has written in and said, ABA therapy is not the answer. Um, so we have a minute and we had somebody else who uh, at the beginning who felt very strongly um, that ABA and that I should be speaking to adults um, that are actually autistic I want to say, uh, let's go over, while we're waiting for Bonnie, a brief history about ABA, what ABA is, what ABA isn't, um, and what modern ABA is. Because I do think that these are important things. And as I said at the start of the show, I welcome your opinion. And I want to say that everyone is entitled to their opinion. And I don't try to squash that at all on this show, because I'm about having... um, I just don't think that there's anything more important to me than people on the autism spectrum having a, as Joanne would say, a seat at the table and the right to their, I I don't even want to say voice because that's so ableist, right? But a right to be able to communicate their needs, their wants, their thoughts, right? Um, In in whatever way is appropriate for them. So I'm never, ever going to be like, "Mm, you know, you don't, you don't get to say that. That would be completely antithetical to who I I want to be and am. Um, But I will say this, that, um, you know, let's put it this way. I, and this is a, this is a bad analogy, but 
I once went to a, um, you know, a day spa and had a very bad experience where um, the person who did my nails um, did it, you know, and I didn't know any different because it was the first time that I was going, uh, but it was painful. I ended up with an infection in, in one of my fingers and I was like, well, that's horrible. I'm not doing that ever again. And I haven't, I, I've never gone and gotten a manicure. I'm, you know, 57 years old, never gone and gotten a manicure again. And for years I was like, those places are horrible because that's what they do and they're unsafe and blah, 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 blah. And I have friends who are like, Shannon, you know, that is not what my place is like. When I go to my place, that is not what it's like. They have laws that govern them. That's not gonna happen again. I still don't wanna go. For me, it, I don't wanna go. And I know that for a lot of adults who are on the autism spectrum, um, ABA is, you're not fans. And in fact, you, you feel traumatized when it comes up and, and when it's talked about, and that either you or your friends or family members were traumatized. And I just wanna be clear that I don't disavow that at all. That in the early days of, of ABA for used for autism, there were people who experimented with aversives. That is absolutely true. I, I stand by your truth. And that to me is unacceptable and uh, torture. And I don't agree with it. And I would not subject my child to it. And I don't advocate that anybody subjects their children to that. So let me be carte blanche about that. Um, and they did investigate what aversives were like. Kids got their hands taped so that they couldn't um, stim. There were, there were kids that got hot sauce put on their tongue. There were a whole bunch of things that were done to individuals to see if it changed and shaped the behavior in a different way. Let me just tell you, I'm not about that. Would never allow that to happen to my son. You know, heaven help the person, whoever, you know, if anybody had ever tried that with my son. Um, and, and back then they weren't calling it ABA. They were calling it behavior modification. Okay, and then a shift came about and modern ABA took shape and there is now a governing board um, for, in order for people to design a program and train other people to do it, they have to be a board certified behavior analyst. Um, there is an ethics clause. Uh, there, you know, they have entire symposia about the dignity of the individual. And um, that is what I'm talking about. Now, even with all of that, because ABA is just a, ABA for autism, because ABA is used for lots of things. ABA is used for Olympic athletes. ABA is used in business corporations. ABA is used in nursing homes, right? It's used across the board because it is, and this is the truth, it is the most effective teaching tool because it says, um, you know, you want to learn something and we want to teach it to you, but we're not going to teach it to you all at once. We're going to teach you this little part of it so that it's not overwhelming. It works. It works. Um, and, you know, it, the main principle of ABA is that everything that we do, we do because it's rewarding in some way. It is not about the aversive. So modern ABA says, hey, Bonnie, I'm just finishing up a little discussion about ABA we have some people watching the show today who are not fans of ABA. And I always like to give voice to that, but to, to remind everybody that, you know, 
quality ABA is uh, an amazing thing. And um, it is not something that should leave somebody traumatized. So just wanted to put that button on that. Um, but I welcome, welcome, welcome all opinions. Um, and it does make it possible for individuals to find their way to communicate, which I think is everybody's right on this planet. So Miss Bonnie, how much do we love you today? We love you a lot. You're muted though. You are muted. Can you unmute yourself? Okay. There you are. Good morning. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. How about you, Shannon? Good. And I talked just briefly before about the fact that you're joining us uh, under the auspices of the Tolner Law Offices. Maybe you could talk briefly about them and about where people can reach you and the disclaimer. Sure. So Tolner spelled T-O-L-L-N-E-R Law Offices. We're a we're an aid attorney firm. We do special education, regional center, civil rights, disability discrimination, and um, university cases, which is, you know, people run into all kinds of problems with accommodations in college. Um, we are San Jose. My office is in El Segundo. We have another office in um, Anaheim, excuse me, in Irvine. Our, our longer term goal is to also start representing people in parts of the state where um, there isn't a lot of attorney coverage like Bakersfield, Fresno, Northern, Northern California. And we think we're gonna be able to do more of that now due to the um, success. You know, there, has, there have been some very positive sides to all the digital um, interaction we've been engaging in, even though I, you know, don't think I would have ever volunteered for it. So we're, answer questions on this show if you have them about your rights, um, EEA and other uh, pertinent statutes. It's not a substitute for good solid legal advice about your own case. If you're in California, you can reach out to me for a free consultation if you'd like that. If you're in another state, COPA, California, uh, excuse me, Council of Parent Attorneys and Advocates, copaa.net is a good place to start in terms of looking for an attorney in your state who's knowledgeable about special education. I would just add in general, if you are having trouble finding a, a reputable attorney um, in your state for whatever area the area is, um, you can always talk to your state bar because they tend to have you know, directories of people according to specialties. I mean, that could be really important if let's say you had a family law matter since those cases are so contentious and they are so expensive, that would just be one example. But if you're, if you're getting stuck, uh, the thing about attorneys is there's always an attorney to fit every need just about. So you just a question of finding them. Um, we were talking last week about things that um, appeared um, on the uh, special ed connection legal database information for uh, educators and, and school district attorneys. I'm gonna continue with some of that because I don't think we have any questions. Is that right? We had two um, questions that came in quite late on Friday and I didn't send them over to you. They're kind of they're kind of general. Um, and I don't know if, if you wanna wait and do those next week or if you want me to tell you what they are. Um, I think I'm gonna have you send them to me. I'll, uh, uh, off air, I'll look at them and see if I need more facts and we'll do them next okay. week. Fabulous. You okay. guys, when you, when you send the questions, we will always preserve your confidentiality, but the more specific you can be about 
you know, state, age of child, disability, do they have an IEP or 504 plan? Um, that's all important because the answers vary depending on those things. So Paige has written in and asked for a link where we can go to for it. And I don't know which it you're talking about. Are you talking about toner law offices, the learning thing or quality ABA? But why don't we give her all three? Um, if she wanted to, is there a, is there a link uh, to where she would go to Tolner Law Offices? It's very easy just to Google it. Okay. And then for the, for this, the, the, the space that you went to, is it something uh, for this learning? I can't remember. That's what not called. accessible to the public. I have a subscription. Okay. So there you go. And then for, you know, for my money, if you want good quality ABA, um, my child was treated at CARD. And so I encourage you to go to centerforautism.com for the highest quality of ABA. Uh, okay, so Bonnie, what, so what are we gonna talk about? What is on that site this week? We're gonna week talk about where fine. we are now. Okay, we're gonna talk okay. about where we are now. And, 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 and first I wanna say, I think at some point, you know, we should have like a town hall meeting about ABA because of what I'm seeing guys, I mean, there were always people for whom ABA did not resonate. And a lot of them ended up doing floor time, but, but they were really in the minority of kids that I saw. And I'm not saying kids can't improve with floor time. I'm sure that they do, but the, the you know, best results that I saw were from ABA treatment providers that had a lot of fidelity with respect to how they assessed kids and then provided the services. And I have seen, you know, amazing results. Um, I'm also really scared about this because I meet parents now that don't understand what the research said and they don't understand that not all ABA companies are created equal. And so there are common misunderstandings that I'm seeing, I mean, like in, dialogue with somebody from who has a science and research background. His ABA provider told him he needs only six hours a week of ABA. That was something that it never would have occurred to him to second guess. I shared the research with him. Um, he was Did open. he lose his mind then? No, and you know what, to his credit, he was open to hearing the information rather than just going into like a defensive, you know, bug curl feed because it's so upsetting to be told your kid has been getting a suboptimal program. No, he's following up. But I had, you know, I had a heartfelt exchange with this person. And I said, one of the sadnesses for me is to like get people who say, we did ABA, what's the big deal? And you say, well, what do you mean? And they say, they describe a situation in which someone came into the home a few hours and did parent training, never worked directly with their child. Yeah. Um, so there's, you know, where before we had small filtering process to go through because it was like card and a couple other companies there's just so many companies out there and you really have to vet them and we can talk about how to do that we don't have to do that now but let's, that's have one hall, let's have a yeah, town hall though let's have a town hall really really important because i so you know when i hear i mean when i hear that people are anti-aba I mean, this world has to be big enough to allow for a divergence of views. And I don't need anybody to, you know, to just lockstep with me because I say that it saved my child's life. Um, but uh, but I want to just make sure that you're, if, 
if you're of that opinion that you've had access to really evaluate what a good ABA program would look like. So that's one of the aspects of where we are now, you know, as a, as a country in, in terms of um, saving our children's lives with treatment, which, you know, I think I haven't been shy about saying that if your three-year-old gets a diagnosed autism, it's not any less urgent than if your child got a diagnosis of leukemia. You've got to intervene. You've got to agree, uh, intervene aggressively, and you got to stay the course. You know, and and I mean, for me, it was easier because there was nothing else to do. There was like I went to a few special day classes. They were horrible. They were horrible. I went into my own fetal position, and I was like, well, you know, I don't really know about this card thing, but God, you know, it's like saying that he might have some degree of independence by kindergarten. So why don't I just try it till kindergarten? And then if it's really not working, I can always go back to a special day class. Of course, in those days, they weren't, you know, the special day classes weren't sort of like, what is it called? Like when you stage your home to sell it, the special day classes are like, staged as if they're going to offer you ABA, but all you're going to get if you get a one-to-one aid is, a, is a, a paraeducator who has, you know, very limited, maybe, you know, 30 hours of online training, much of it, well, 30 hours of training, much of it online and from their district. Um, okay, so I wasn't even planning on talking about that, but, um, but be that as it may, that's one aspect of where we are now. Another aspect of where we are now is we're at the end of the school year. So you aren't going to have to listen to me anymore, rant and rave about how, to, how you need to have an IP meeting to talk about what's going to happen in the summer and the fall. The time for that has passed and we can have specific questions on the air in the future about where you are now with reference to the fall, what, what exactly does your child's special education universe look like? Um, so where we are now is, I mean, we really do need to step back and celebrate for a moment the fact that Betsy DeVos in her capacity as a spokesperson for the government said no more waivers were necessary and the district should continue to provide services per people's IEPs and, and you know, we didn't lose that and we're lucky and she didn't use the opportunity to gut other parts of the IDEA, specifically the attorney's fees provision, which is always con confidential, but it does allow people access to, to the system in a way that they don't have access otherwise. Um, so for summer, like, you know, we can have some ESY questions, we can have some comp ed questions. If you're thinking about those things, um, there were a lot of tips that LRP put out about how to have a, a successful virtual IEP. Um, and I think it's probably late for those things now. I think almost everybody's done with school. If you, for some reason, have an IEP coming up and you have those questions, you can go over them. But the other thing that I wanted to talk about um, is after your IEP, Whatever, whatever type of IP you're having. Um, if you don't understand what you uh, and the district agreed to at this meeting and, or the district's offer and the IEP is confusing, you can ask for prior written notice. And prior notice, which is, is codified at 34 CFR 300.503, 
gives you parents the right to ask the district to provide you with an explanation to questions arising out of your IEP concerning the identification, um, assessment, and implementation of your IEP. So if you have an offer that's ambigu ambiguous, and I had a couple where it was just like, hey, wait, I can't keep up, which thing are you offering? And then I get the IEP and it seems to be at variance with what I recall recording, then I can ask for prior written notice. In other words, I asked you to increase my ABA by 10 hours a week. You said, no, you weren't gonna do that. I don't understand what your basis is and I don't understand what research and documents you relied on and I want prior written notice and they need to give that to you within a reasonable time. So now is the time basically for you to be reviewing your IEP, making sure that your IEP um, is in some shape where if school does reopen in fall, you will be able to have an IEP that, that is um, working for you when your child goes back to school, if he or she does in, in whatever capacity. So, you know, review your IEPs, ask your questions, ask for prior written notice. Um, and then we could take it from there on the show in terms of your questions, because my fear and what I have been fearing since March 11th was that there was going to be a huge backlog. There were going to people, be people that were left in limbo. And that coupled with the fact that we might be entertaining multiple scenarios in terms of um, how we would go back to school, whether it's a staggered day, distance learning, some combination of online and in school. I knew that was gonna be, um, at, you know, uh, what's the word, varied enough and maybe ambiguous enough and maybe not really codified enough that you really, really needed your IP document to be tight. And you need to understand what's in your distance learning plan too. Um, if you're in LAUSD, they have on their website, they finally got around to posting their policy on what people are going to get for distance learning, depending on what grades you're going to be in. If your district has a similar policy, you might want to take a look at that. Um, where I left off last time was talking about medically vulnerable students. And um, in our larger autism family of children that um, have disabilities, um, there are oftentimes serious medical con considerations. I, I, I would say they're secondary to the disability, but they're really not because they have to be taken as seriously as a disability. So here's what LRP had to say about medically vulnerable students. Plan now to protect medically vulnerable students when school doors reopen. Students who are immunocompromised or have a history of respiratory illness may be at greater risk of either contracting the coronavirus or experiencing severe symptoms. As districts plan to reopen school buildings and resume school activities, IEP and Section 504 teams should give special thought to how they will program for and place students who are medically fragile. Um, while many parents, concerned parents have already brought these issues to the school's attention, Schools should not wait for a parent to raise the issue. Schools should be working proactively this summer to identify students whose underlying medical conditions place them at risk. Sorry about the motorcycle outside. Team okay. considerations. IEP and Section 504 teams should reconvene to determine what accommodations a student may need to remain safe and whether the student may require an alternative placement. To properly consider what accommodations a student needs, the IEP or Section 504 team must know what general modifications the school will be putting in place, right, for everybody, 
so the team can make an informed decision about what additional steps are necessary. Include the student's primary care physician or medical specialist in the discussion. Teams should be ready to succinctly describe the student's medical uh, condition um, and what modifications are being made to protect the general student population. Then they should ask for more specific recommendations as to what additional measures might be needed to keep the students safe. Identify students who cannot safely learn in school buildings. These students are at too great a risk regardless of what safeguards are in place. They may need to continue learning online, but that decision must be made by the IEP or 504 team on an individualized basis and with a bit of appropriate data. It is crucial that schools obtain this information from the student's medical providers so they can proceed with developing an alternative program in the home or in another appropriate setting. Keep up with the research. Schools will need to be vigilant about keeping up with current research on COVID-19. Some potential accommodations will depend upon emerging information about the virus, such as the whether the classroom air filtration might be effective in reducing airborne virus particles. Researchers have more time to study the virus. A better understanding will emerge as to how to effectively minimize the risks at school. Can I keep going or are we out of time? We're out of time and I have a question because yeah. my concern with what you've just said is that in the current environment that we are in, we've already had a problem with this before we had COVID that the current um, medical, it's very hard right now to get a doctor to say that your child is immune compromised because they're afraid of that, that being misinterpreted because of the vaccine situation. So it is not something that is easy to get right now to have a medical doctor say that your child is medically fragile when where 10 years ago that was a that was easy and your doctor would just give that to you and say yes your child has autism and has had this and this and this but I hear more and more parents saying my doctor won't say that for me now well, I think your doctor can say that we're still studying the virus and our understanding of it is, improve, is, is, is growing every week, but until we have a vaccine or our knowledge about this is much more complete, I've been treating the student for eight years and I think out of an abundance of caution given his autism, the best way to proceed would be X, Y, and Z. I don't think you have to use the, the words immunocompromised if that's a trigger word and it's gonna cause problems. Yeah, I so do think it is. In, in terms of what else there is left to stay, say on this, there are uh, there's a discussion about programming considerations, flexibility considerations, and a few other things, and we can take that up on the show next week. But, okay. Um, but you guys, the summer is kind of like our time to get on the whiteboard and figure out what the, you know, what the fall is going to look like. And we can, we can work on that on the show. So bring us your questions and, and, you know, we're all, we're all in this together. Nobody feels expert in this. It's uncomfortable. It's hard to fly by the seat of your pants, but we're going to figure it out. Okay. We're going to figure it out. Thank Thank you so much, Bonnie. We so appreciate you taking the time to be here with us. We adore you. Again, uh, Tolner Law Offices, please Google them. Offices in many locations in California. If you are in Southern California and think that you could- Or Northern California. 
Well, but I, you can do, but in, I was going to say in Southern California and you think you need Bonnie. Now, if you need just somebody, whether it's Northern or Northern or Southern, Tolner Law Offices covers pretty much the whole state. Thank but you. Bonnie's here in Southern California. But I'm working in Northern California and it's fun. You are. Okay. Yeah. Well, I didn't know that. So yeah. um, if you're in California and you think you need Bonnie, then reach out, uh, Google her at Tolner Law Offices and you can reach directly out to her. She's pretty fabulous. I know this firsthand. And you know, uh, I've got time now, but I'm not going to have time later. So, <laughs> so reach out. I've got a little lull. Yeah, exactly. Now is the moment. Okay. Thank, thank you, you so Dan much. Bye, everybody. I'm going to call you later on today. So okay, thank good. you. Lots of love. Right. You guys stay safe. Wow. Bye. Uh, we're going to end the show, but I wanted to go over just a couple of things. Um, tomorrow on the show, we're having Ipunanya Nowicki on, and we are, we are going to take on the conversation of race and different abilities and police. And I know it's going to get um, difficult, but we need to be talking about it. Um, I also want to say that um, somebody wrote in and said, my son went to therapy place that held him down to calm him down. And I hated it. It didn't work out well for us at all. And I'm sorry to hear that. Um, there are, um, everybody who walks in a door of an ABA professional is an individual and deserves to be treated like an individual. There are different techniques to prevent somebody from hurting themselves or other people. And in the wrong hands, those can be very um, scary and detrimental. Please make sure that the ABA provider that you're working with is someone who is reputable and that is looking at you or your child as an individual and is giving the highest quality of ABA, which to be clear, does not allow for reverses and really works in giving rewards instead of taking things away. That is what my son had the benefit of. And I hope that you all have the ability to have that in your lives because as Bonnie said, it's life-changing. It's absolutely life-changing. So I thank you though, for everyone that is here today and all the different opinions that we heard today, they're all always welcome. I want to be clear about that. Um, and the offer stands. If you are someone who's like, well, okay, I want to see this good quality ABA that you're talking about, let me know. I can hook you up. All right. Thank you all for being here. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Okay. Bye-bye.